calling out to the Atascacita community. It's time for your Atascacita Library advanced copy. Get your notes and news now. Hello, Atascacita community. It is September 25th, 2021. Welcome to your advanced copy. Like so many others, the library is in the middle of our Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. Today, PJ and I sat down to talk about Hispanic heritage, touching on the celebration, its ancestry and origin, and included people of history and media with Hispanic heritage. We'll also talk about upcoming programs and the latest about the library's expansion, and of course, we'll have book clues. So let's start with library expansion. You may notice some framing in the front where they will be pouring the foundation for the new media room. And then from that point, they are scheduled to go towards the expansion of the parking lot. We will be getting a few more parking spaces right there where the curve of the entrance is. As you're coming around that curve, we're going to have an additional row of parking spaces. So that will be coming in the next few weeks. And of course, you can always stay on top of what's going on at the library through our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our website, hcpl.net, find the location of Atascacita Branch Library. So earlier this week, PJ and I sat down to discuss Hispanic Heritage Month, the history, the culture, and prominent figures in Hispanic culture or Hispanic American culture. Let's get to that conversation now. Good morning. I'm here with PJ, and we are going to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month and the celebration of ancestry and origin. Now, PJ, earlier this week, we had some crafts that went out for our younger patrons, and they were gaucho hats and little gaucho paper dolls. And can you tell me a little bit more about the significance of that? Okay, so gauchos are basically cowboys and the cowboy of Argentina. So this is a craft that is specifically tied into Argentina. Mm -hmm. I call them gauchos. And the gauchos have a very distinct way of dressing mm. that fits, you know, their lifestyle. So you'll be able to see that if you pick up one of our um, paper dolls. But also we decided that uh, we should also make gaucho hats because who doesn't like a hat? Right. One of the holidays that I've noticed, and, and this could be just my perception, that I've noticed kind of the general populace of the United States has latched onto is uh, Dia de los Muertos, and I know I'm saying that wrong, and PJ will say it right, and everybody can ignore how I pronounced it. But I mean, we even had things like Coco, which was focused specifically on that. And so I am interested in sharing with the rest of our community the what and why of Dia de los Muertos. So Dia de los Muertos is not to be confused as Mexico's Halloween, because mm -hmm. I think that's usually what people think of. Yeah. And it definitely, it is not. For Dia de los Muertos, it's a two-day celebration that starts November the 1st and goes to November the 2nd. And it's to honor our ancestors and those that passed away. Um, so it's not at all meant to be scary. Mm -hmm. It's actually quite a beautiful holiday because it's the idea that your loved one's spirits can come back to the earth mm -hmm. and hang out with you for a while. 
So the way that Dia de los Muertos is presented is you do a display, which in this case we call ofrendas. Mm. You have pictures of your loved ones that passed away. You have marigolds because marigolds are their pungent smell are supposed to bring the spirits back and it's specifically marigolds right yes okay yes um i should say the uniqueness of this holiday comes from the fact that you are mixing the mexican indigenous culture Mm -hmm. aztec with that of the culture of the Spaniards, the mm. Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So it's quite unique in that sense because it's really a holiday that comes out of two cultures. So with your ofrenda, you have your marigolds because you want to make sure that you're bringing back the spirits with their pungent smell. It's a celebration of those that passed away. So you would include pictures of them. You would include food that they like. If your grandfather was big on Coca-Cola, you'd see bottles of Coca-Cola there on the ofrenda. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have your sugar skulls and you have what is calaveras, which Mm -hmm. are your skeletons. Mm -hmm. But they became popular through an artist, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Posada. Yes, it's just a two-day holiday. The first day is meant for the spirits of children to come back. And then the second day is meant for everybody else. Mm. Ironically, Coco does a really good job of showing this. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get a better idea of what it's about, Coco really honestly does a good job of it. But I do agree with you. It is something that has... I think started to take over the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, part of it, I think, might be because of James Bond. Because one of the James Bond movies actually takes place, the opening scene takes place in Mexico City. And it is during a Day of the Dead festival, so they're having a parade. Right. Ironically, Mexico City has never had a Day of the Dead parade. However, Uh because of James Bond, Mexico City actually ended up buying a lot of the props that were used in the movie. Uh And so now they have actually started doing a parade of Dia de los Muertos. (laughs) So um, thank you, James Bond, I I would say. Media influencing an entire city to celebrate their culture in a different way, I guess. Yes. I mean, when you look at the opening scene, they have really cool props. So I could see why yeah. the government was like, we want those. We want those. Yeah. Yes. Bargain price. You're just going to throw them away. Let us have them. Exactly. So speaking of, you know, media, and, and we've mentioned Coco, which is a Disney Pixar movie. There are other people, historical figures who've made huge impact on the United States. And, and one of them I want to start with because she's not... And Hispanic American, but I would think that almost anyone who has gone up through high school or a little bit of college would know the artist Frida Kahlo. And I know she's one of your favorites. Just a little. Just a little. (laughs) So tell us about Frida Kahlo and her impact. Speaking solely on myself and why I like her a lot Mm -hmm. is because she was really a woman ahead of her times. Mm -hmm. What was that time? So 30s and 40s. Why I like her is because 
quite honestly, I think for a lot of Hispanics, we value those people that were able to break the barrier. Mm. And she definitely was one to break the barrier. Not only did she come from, was she a well-known artist who, at the time, there weren't as many Mm -hmm. well-known women artists, but also she is an equal in a world full of men. Mm. Because at this time, you have some of the most famous Mexican painters coming out. Mm. One being her husband, Diego Rivera. Mm -hmm. And so just that alone, the fact that she's competing with guys and she's got her own place. Mm -hmm. But also, she is a great advocate and was a great advocate of her culture. Mm Don't know if this is true, but there is, in the movie, Frida, there is a scene where she's about to get married and she's wearing the traditional white dress, Mm -hmm. but then she looks to her maid and sees that the maid is wearing what indigenous people would wear in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And she decides to switch. Mm -hmm. And if you see Frida, she wasn't modeling the latest fashion she always had mexican clothes that was made by indigenous people mm-hmm. on top of that her paintings are very personal you're talking about a woman who had a very hard life because quite honestly she had a horrific bus accident that a pipe impaled her basically mm-hmm. she suffered a lot of pain But then also, because of this accident, she had other health problems that led to one of her legs being amputated. Mm. And all through this time of suffering, not to mention that she had to deal with a husband who was cheating on her Mm -hmm. constantly, all through this time, she is able to live her life to the fullest. She is a happy person. But also, a lot of her pain and suffering is in her paintings. This is a woman who had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and painted it. So just the fact that she is just a woman out of her time, she is someone not to mess with, just a real trailblazer, and just her being very personal and letting people see her in such a vulnerable way Mm -hmm. is why I like her and I think that it's led to other people outside of just Mexico Mm -hmm. liking her yeah now you're saying you know she was competing with artists who were at that time mostly male was she one of the artists who they recognized her her unique view afterwards or was she really at the time she was creating these paintings they were really recognizing her at the moment i know that towards the end of her life she had i don't know what museum opened a gallery that was specific to her paintings so they were recognizing her in the time yes that's good um i think also she was just Mm -hmm. she had a relationship with leon trotsky so this is a woman that like There was no way she wasn't, like, shining on her own and people weren't. But also, at the same time, to give credit to Diego Rivera, he also spoke very highly of his wife Mm -hmm. and her paintings. So 
although he, for the most part, was in the spotlight, he always shared that spotlight with her in talking about how great her paintings were. So from Frida Kahlo, a woman of her time, and then Maria Moreno, who I only discovered because I was doing research for this podcast, but she was one of the earliest labor organizers. She was an American farm worker and she lived from 1920 to 1988. And she was the first woman farm worker hired to be a union representative. So, you know, we hear about um, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, but I was surprised. So we had Frida Kahlo, who was known in her time and, and clearly well known. And then we have this other individual who made a huge impact, but then lesser known. Once you mentioned her name, Mm -hmm. looking back, I don't think that many minority figures get put in the history of the United States. Mm. Of course, for us, really, it was Cesar Chavez. Mm. And then much later did I know about Dolores Huerta. Mm The first person to fight segregation in schools was actually a Mexican. Mm -hmm. There is a case of a Mexican-American previously fighting school segregation. But that was something that I had to learn in college. Mm. I was really interested because when you, I have to admit, when you told me her name, I was like, ooh, I I need to do research on like culture. (laughs) I think we all kind of discover that though. It's like these people in history who for whatever reason are set aside that we don't get their story, you know, whether it's their gender, their, you know, political perspective or whatever it might be at the moment, their story gets set aside. Or depending on what you're studying at the time, who the conqueror was and who the conquered was also impacts history. But when we were looking at this, you gave me kind of a list of people of history and media. And of course, we've spoken about Frida, we spoke about Coco, and you brought up Selena. So Selena grew up, she was actually born in Lake Jackson. Oh, okay. And then I think either when she was eight or 10, her family ended up moving to Corpus Christi. So some people would consider Corpus Christi the valley, some people wouldn't. I'm going to say it's part of the valley because Selena mostly lived there. So. Okay. Selena is, I think for a lot of us, it's what I said. We look to the people that break barriers. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about Maria Moreno, mm-hmm. I find it interesting because Selena is one of those people who has been known and even though she passed away she is always remembered and i think it's because of her fans the loyalty of her fans Mm. but also it's her family who has done so much to make sure that she is consistently remembered you know when we talk about latin american music there's certain people that come to mind like carlos santana Mm -hmm. in the 60s 70s But I think that the real breakthrough of Latin American music really breaking through in the United States Mm -hmm. was probably Living La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. (laughs) I remember those days. I mean, not to say there weren't other artists. Like, there was Gloria Estefan. Mm -hmm. But 
Unfortunately for Selena, she was one of those artists that was on the peak of breaking mm -hmm. into English music. Unfortunately, her life was taken away right when that was going to happen. Also, just the way she grew up, she had to face difficulties. She was a woman that took up singing Tejano at a time when Tejano was really just a man's world. Also was very adamant about wanting to cross over and do English records. Even when people were telling her, no, it's not the right time where people like you're going to lose your fan base because, you know, you're going, you're changing so drastically. Um, and she was just so creative too. The stuff that she wore mm -hmm. on stage, she made herself. Right. She opened up a boutique. Right. Her style is also kind of iconic of who she was. So yes. It wasn't just like the music, but her style as well. Yes. But unfortunately, she was taken away in such a young age. And it was a very unfortunate situation of how she got taken away. Mm -hmm. And actually, her last concert, which was like the biggest concert... Um, that she had was in the Astrodome in mm. Houston. You know, a lot of times I hear um, how Beyonce mm -hmm. is a queen. Mm -hmm. I always like to joke that uh, Selena is our queen. There's another singer named Selena Gomez. And uh, we've had this talk before where my boyfriend was like, are you talking about Selena Gomez? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No. When you talk about Selena, it is the Selena. You right. don't even have to say her last name, which was Quintanilla. When you talk about Selena Gomez, you have to talk you have to say the last name. Right. Selena Gomez and Selena Gomez. Selena is Selena. Yes, there's just one Selena <laughs> mm -hmm. that gets to not have a last name connected That's to right. her. Also, I do want to mention someone that is also very local to me, having grown up in the valley, McAllen, Texas. This was a name that I think most people from the Valley know. And his name was Alfredo Cantu Gonzalez, otherwise known as Freddy Gonzalez. He received the Medal of Honor. He died at the age of 21 in the oh. Vietnam War. While he was fighting in Vietnam, he ran through a bullet-swept area and destroyed a hostile position with hand grenades while wounded. He was wounded again, but refused medical treatment. The next day, the enemy pinned his company down, inflicting heavy casualties with automatic weapons and rocket fire. Sergeant Gonzalez successfully knocked out a rocket position and suppressed much of the enemy before dying. He made a big impact yes. in such a short time. On that note, we should also mention our great community leaders, including Commissioner Adrian Garcia and Judge Lena Hidalgo, who are both Hispanic. I would say, um, and you know, this is also for myself. I would say, if you are interested, do more research. Ask somebody. Um, I wouldn't say I'm constantly having to because it makes it seem like it's a task. I love learning more about my culture, and I appreciate the fact that I never knew about Maria Moreno, but thankfully, because of this podcast, mm -hmm. I now know about her. And there's so many people in history that get lost, that did amazing things. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, believe it or not, follow those Google Doodle links. You will learn about some people you would never have learned about. Very cool. You want to start simple, 
start with Google Doodle, but then dig deeper. The library is here for you. We have online databases. We have people that you can talk to. Explore the world, explore culture. If you guys are interested, reach out to someone who's of Hispanic culture and just ask them questions. I know I love sharing my culture with people. We were talking about this podcast and I remember you were like, I don't know if I should be a part of this podcast because I'm not part of the culture. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was important because Essentially, this is how we grow into better humans when we don't understand something, but we're willing to want to ask questions and find out more information. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to me, it was an awesome thing to have someone who's outside of my culture be interested in my culture and want to ask and understand more. Quite honestly, when we start exploring outside of our own culture, Mm -hmm. it creates some sense of unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I would encourage it and come pick up those crafts. Absolutely. Those crafts came out earlier this week. And thanks for talking with me today, PJ. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Coffee. Hey guys, this is PJ bringing you some interesting facts of Latin America. So to start off with, did you know that Mexico City sinks 10 inches every year? In the town of Yoro, Honduras, it rains fish twice a year. Yes, this is true. You can look it up, even though it sounds like it wouldn't be true. Mount Chimborazo in Ecuador is technically the world's highest peak if measured from the center of the earth. Brazil shares a border with all but two countries in South America, Chile and Ecuador. Mexico City is the oldest American city. The largest pyramid and largest monument ever constructed is the Quetzalcoatl Pyramid at Cholula de Rivadavia. It's 177 feet tall and the base covers 45 acres. And I probably did not say that correctly because that is an Aztec word. It is said that the Mexican actor Emilio Fernandez posed as a model for the statuette of Oscar. Colombia produces 90% of the world's emeralds. Chewing gum dates back to the Mayans. Some inventions by Latin Americans include bandages that administer drugs, the artificial heart, the stent, the color TV, and the neonatal artificial bubble. And one more bonus fact, Simón Bolívar is known as the liberator of America. He's known as a liberator of America because he liberated Venezuela, Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Panama. Hope you guys enjoyed these trivia facts. It's time for book clues. So were you able to guess last episode's book clues? This was the first book. One day in class, Duncan went to take out his crayons and found a stack of letters with his name on them. Hey, Duncan. It's me, Red Crayon. We need to talk. You make me work harder than any of your other crayons. All year long, I wear myself out coloring fire engines, apples, strawberries, and everything else that's red. I even work on holidays. I have to color all the Santas at Christmas and all the hearts at Valentine's Day. I need a rest. Your overworked friend, Red Crayon. 
Now you may have recognized this one, The Day the Crayons Quit by Drew DeWalt, because it was a 2015 Texas Blue Bonnet Award. And as you know, the library carries all the blue bonnets through the voting year and gives the opportunity for those students who do not participate through school, but homeschool the ability to vote on the Texas Blue Bonnet Award. This book came out in June 27th of 2013. And it's the story of a young boy who just wants to color, but his box of crayons have something else in mind. This was the second book. It was a dark and stormy night. In her attic bedroom, Margaret Murray, wrapped in an old patchwork quilt, sat on the foot of her bed and watched the trees tossing in the frenzied lashing of the wind. Behind the trees, clouds scudded frantically across the sky. Every few moments, the moon ripped through them, creating wraith-like shadows that raced along the ground. The house shook. Wrapped in her quilt, Meg shook. She wasn't usually afraid of weather. It's not just the weather, she thought. It's the weather on top of everything else, on top of me, on top of Meg Murray doing everything wrong. Another award winner, this was A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. This book came out in 1962 and won the Newbery Medal and the Lewis Carroll Shelf Award and was a runner-up for the Hans Christian Andersen Award. The main characters are on a journey through space and time from galaxy to galaxy, and they are trying to not only save the main character Meg Murray's father, but also save the world. And this was the third book. And of course, for the final our adult selection. In the week before their departure to Arrakis, when all the final scurrying about had reached a nearly unbearable frenzy, an old crone came to visit the mother of the boy, Paul. It was a warm night at Castle Caledon, and the ancient pile of stone that had served the Atreides family as home for 26 generations bore that cooled sweat feeling it acquired before a change in the weather. Another award winner and also a popular one to adapt for cinema, this was Dune. Dune was written by Frank Herbert and came out in 1965. It was actually two separate serials in Analog Magazine, and it tied with Roger Zelazny's This Immortal for the Hugo Award in 1966. Dune also won the inaugural Nebula Award for Best Novel. In 2003, it was cited as the world's best-selling science fiction book. Are you ready for this episode's book clues? They all are around a particular theme. It is Hispanic Heritage Month. Here is the first. Here, Spanish goes to school with English. Aquí, el español va a la escuela con el inglés. Uno, dos, tres, as easy as one, two, three. Uno, dos, tres, y tan fácil como one, two, three. Here, children of all races write beautiful poems. Aquí, niños de todas las razas escriben bellos poemas. In English and Spanish, even in spirals. Tanto en inglés como en español, hasta en espiral. And following the beat of teacher Felipe's clava. Y siguiendo la clave del maestro Felipe. 
Here, children learn to sing with their hearts. Aquí, los niños aprenden a cantar con el corazón. And now, our young adult pick. I'm officially resigning from love. Time in a cell will do that to a kid. For the record, I didn't do it. Well, I didn't mean for what I did to blow up in my face. This should have been the best night of my life. I was going to save the restaurant, save the town, get the girl, make Abuelo proud. I imagined myself riding a tan horse into the summer sunset, swatting any mosquito that tried to sting my awesomeness. Instead, I'm locked in a small room that smells like chorizo and stale popcorn while my arch enemy continues to brainwash the community with reggaeton and free sunscreen. And of course, for the final, our adult selection. Many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buindia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. At that time, Macondo was a village of 20 adobe houses built on the bank of a river of clear water that ran along a bed of polished stones, which were white and enormous like prehistoric eggs. The world was so recent that many things lacked names, and in order to indicate them, it was necessary to point. Every year during the month of March, a family of ragged gypsies would set up their tents near the village, and with a great uproar of pipes and kettle drums, they would display new inventions. First, they brought the magnet. A heavy gypsy with an untamed beard and sparrow hands, who introduced himself as Melquieres, put on a bold public demonstration of what he himself called the eighth wonder of the learned alchemists of Macedonia. If you think you know one or all of these book clues, be sure to write in to ata at hcpl.net with your guesses. Help us celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month by participating in some of these upcoming programs. For September 23rd, our craft to go for our kids is a gaucho paper doll. Just visit the Atascacita Branch Library and ask at the front desk or use our curbside services to request a kit. That starts on September 23rd, which is a Thursday. You don't want to miss out on Tell Me a Tale Tuesday at 4.15 p.m. on September 28th or 10 a.m. on September 29th for virtual Tales for Tots. Register for either of these programs to get the Zoom link. And at these story times, they'll be reading stories by Argentinian authors and illustrators. Join in on the latest book conversation in the region. Gulf Coast Reads is an annual regional reading initiative focused on promoting the simultaneous reading or listening to a selected title by those living along the upper Texas Gulf Coast. This year's read is The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. You can put a request in for this title and pick it up. The title will be discussed as part of the Lit Chat podcast that comes out in October, and we'd really look forward to hearing your thoughts on the title. Again, that's The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune, part of the Gulf Coast Reads program this October. It's that time of year again. It's spooky time. Pumpkins are popping up in pumpkin patches everywhere, and ghosts and goblins are haunting the stores. So you know what happens? 
It's time for the Tales of Terror Scary Story Contest. This contest is open to ages K through 3, 4 through 6, 7 through 12, and adult. All stories are due by October 16th. There's a maximum word length of 5,000 words, but no minimum. You can email stories as an attachment to ata at hcpl.net with a heading Scary Story Contest. There are a few rules. You must keep it PG-13. Work must be original, no fan fiction or use of other authors' characters, and entries with offensive content will be disqualified. For more information, check out our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have any questions, you can email us at ata at hcpl.net. Thank you for joining us at Atascacita Branch Library's Advanced Copy. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when the next episode, Advanced Copy or Lit Chat, comes out here on our podcast channel. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Copy. Find information on media used and resources mentioned on our podcast webpage. This podcast is produced by the staff of Atascacita Branch Library, a part of the Harris County Public Library System. Funds for the podcast are provided by a grant from Best Buy through the Friends of Atascacita Library. Find out more about this 501c3 organization at fol.ws. That's F-O-A-L dot W-S.